Hello, everybody. We are going to continue today with our 20 qualities of a person who is a to recognize Brahman so that you can see what your body is all about. You need to know these 20 qualities within yourself. They're already there. You just need to polish them and bring them out. So today we're going to be talking about uh, uprightness and service to the guru. Lou, you with me? I am. Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Great. I'm enjoying this series. This is a really nice stretch of the Gita here. I'm enjoying this. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, I think you should remind everybody, though, we talked about at the beginning of looking at these 20 qualities is, is that we all have these qualities and we should look for the ones that we can concentrate on, that we can uh, that are easier for us to polish up and kind of concentrate on them a little bit. And that gets you started. Yes. Yes, please. This is a very, very, very important part of the Gita, these 20 qualities. And you will see that one, at least one of them says, hey, I can do this. I recognize this quality. It's right on the surface where you don't like it. And <laughs> if you see that, maybe you can start to recognize it and then to change it. And if you do, then the others fall into place. The others, then the second one comes up, the third one comes up, right up until the 20th. This is yeah. very, very important. Thanks, Lou. I also think it's interesting to look at it from the ones that you might struggle with. You might see one of the ones we're talking about go, oh, I have a little problem with that. And that makes you aware of it and can can start you down the path of beginning to deal with it. Yes. Start always with the easiest, not the most difficult. Sometimes yeah. people say, you know, like with your work that you procrastinate, people say, take the thing that you hate the most and get it done first. That may be working fine for you when you've got a pile of work on your on your desk. but this mind of yours with its vrittis and its vasanas that goes back thousands of lives is very, very, very old and ancient. <laughs> Your one lifetime isn't going to do anything because it's a thousand times, million times more powerful than your current state. So, so you've got to go be gentle with it. Sorry, so it's sorry. ancient and stubborn, apparently. Ancient and stubborn. Well, it's <laughs> set in its ways. Yeah, It's set in its ways. So you, it takes a while. You got to do it gently. Take the one that seems easiest and then work on that and maybe it'll help you to change the others. So the first quality that we want to do today, which is the fifth of the 20 qualities, is in Sanskrit known as Arjavam. Arjavam is uprightness. Uprightness, we translate it to mean no crookedness, no shrewdness rather being straightforward with everything. Now, people have thought of Arjavam as being telling the truth. That's not correct, because the example that Gautam Jain used to give us in class was a very good one. It was that, let's say you're sitting here having a class with your teacher in Gita, and a woman runs in, and she's in a green sari, he used to say, and she comes in and says, please help me, please help me to everybody. And they say, what's wrong? And says, there's some bad people out to hurt me and they're coming after me in any minute. And so you say, the teacher says, the students say, hide in this closet over here. And she goes, you close the door and the next minute these bad people run in with machetes in their hand and say, did you see a lady in a green sari running any, anywhere here? And Gautam Jain used to say, 
no, we are having our class here. Just go away. Leave us alone. There's nothing here. Maybe try down the street somewhere. When they go away, then you take the lady out of the closet. Now, what you've done is you've told a lie, mm-hmm. but you've told, you've not been arjabam. You've not been straightforward. You've not, you've been crooked. You lied, but you did it for the right purpose. Now, question that some people would have is, oh, why can't you be the truthful and say, yes, she's here. She's in the closet. And then he said, well, they've got their machetes in their hand. How many of you have machetes here? Right. So, you know, you've, you've got to use your mind, your intellect, sorry, to assess the situation and do the right thing for the right reason, even if it means telling a lie. Mm-hmm. When Jesus was being sought out by the Romans, if you, you happened to be there and the Romans came and said to you, well, where's Jesus hiding? And you said, well, I'm Arjavam. He's right there. You know, that wouldn't be right. You basically have to say, I don't know. He, I think he went down the hill over there to protect him for the right reasons. So each one of us has what you and I know in English as conscience. Hmm. Conscience, the difference from consciousness, it is the, in Sanskrit, known as sukshma buddhi, the subtle intellect. Your intellect is the one that decides what is right, what is wrong. The subtle intellect is... A, much higher than that. It knows when you're doing something wrong. It will tell you. It will make you feel guilty if you do the wrong thing. Whenever you're stuck, if you don't have a guru to go to and say, what should I do in a situation like this? Follow the dictates of your conscience. So only human beings have a conscience. Animals don't feel guilty. Insects don't feel guilty. Other living beings don't feel guilty. Only human beings have this conscience. Evildoers, people who are serial killers, murderers, robbers, cheats, all evildoers, they all have a conscience too. People say, well, they don't have a conscience. Yes, they do. That conscience of those people is buried by the avalanche of desires that keep coming in their mind. So they all have, every human being has a conscience. Some are just deeply buried by their desires. Now, conscience or subtle intellect, or sukshma buddhi leads you, if you follow it, to spiritual growth. If you ignore it, you go deeper down. Whereas your gross intellect leads you to good actions. Mm-hmm. Your mind, don't follow the dictates of the mind. The mind, as we said in our previous episode, the mind is thousands of lives old, thousands and millions of years old. It's ancient. It has been programmed by its vasanas, its experiences, its lifetimes from before. And it always says, even in this current lifetime, it says, I like this, I don't like this. From the childhood onwards, it knows. And it puts it in files, very good filing system that (laughs) says, I like this, I don't like this. This I should do, this I shouldn't do, the mind. The intellect says, hey, listen, no matter if you like this or not, this is not the right thing to do, right? right? Right. I, I like pretty girls who are redheads. Yeah. So the intellect says, hey, that's somebody else's wife. The mind says, I don't care. Right. Mind has no boundaries. Mind doesn't say, don't do this or you'll get hurt. The intellect does that. The intellect says, don't do this, you will get hurt. So the mind is full of raga, dvesha, from childhood on. Don't follow the dictates of the mind. Those, unfortunately with us, the raga dvesha control our actions. What should be controlling our actions is our intellect. And if any point we don't know what to do, 
you follow the dictates of your conscience. Don't forget, we're still on Arjavam. We're still talking about being straightforward, but I'm just giving you the right. parameters and the boundaries of this. Again, um, Gautam Jain used to be very fond of using things from Shakespeare. He used to say to us, Shakespeare, in Shakespeare, Polonius is advising his son Laertes in Hamlet, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as night follows day, thou canst not then be false to any man. So if you're true to yourself and you follow your own conscience, you cannot be false to anybody else. So, but first, start being true to yourself. In life, you must analyze, you must judge, your intellect must analyze, judge a situation to come to a conclusion. That is your conviction. Once you come to that conclusion, that's your conviction, follow it. You must then follow your conviction. Don't just say, oh, yeah, I know my conviction says that's what I have to do, but I'd like to do this. No, right. you follow your conviction. Otherwise, when you don't follow your conviction, mind says, nah, I shouldn't be um, tempted to do this, but I am going to do it. Nobody will know any better. Your mind get disturbed, agitated, you feel guilty because your conscience will bother you. And that disturbance prevents you from rising spiritually. So much as it's difficult when you have a conviction, follow that conviction. You must follow your conscience. Gautam Jain used to tell us this very important story from the Upanishads. In um, which Upanishads is it? I, I, I don't want to guess, but it's from the Upanishads. He talks of Satyakama, a little boy whose name was Satyakama. In India, when you are uh, a certain age, at a younger age in those days, when this Upanishads were written, you were sent away from home or you chose to go away from home to your teacher's house your guru's house. And the guru then kept you there. But before he kept you, he would say, who's your father? What family do you come from? Do you come from a good family? Are you a Brahmin? Now, there's a misunderstanding. Brahmin doesn't mean you come from a Brahmin family. Brahmins are equanimous, um, sattvic, and they are upright, straightforward, and honest. So Satyakama says to his mother, Mom, I, I have never seen my dad, don't know who my father is, but I'm going to go to this guru's uh, school and he's going to say, who's your father? What should I say? And Jabala, his mother, Jabala, said to him, look, son, you're older now. I can tell you the truth. When I, when you, before you were born, I was a woman of ill repute. So I had, unfortunately, many men in my life and I don't know who your true father is. But why don't you just tell him this, this, this? And the boy said, Satyakama said, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to tell him the truth. So he went to the teacher. Teacher said, who's your father? And he said, look, I'll be honest with you because I don't know any other way. And the honest truth is, this is what my mother said to me. And this is what I'm telling you. And the Brahmin, the teacher immediately said, you, my son, are a Brahmin. You are mm -hmm. Arjavam. You are truthful. You take number one place to come into this school because you've been straightforward. You could have lied to me right. and I wouldn't have known any better, but you were straightforward. Go straight inside. <laughs> so he was a Brahmin. That also shows that the Upanishad said 
that being a Brahmin means being upright, being truthful, being um, straightforward, being Arjabam, uh, and not just being born to a priest uh, family and then lying. But always use your intellect in being truthful. So that means being Arjabam. So just be careful when you honesty, I, I, this is now my twist on it also, is honesty is being true to yourself, not just what you say when people ask you a question or what you fill out in a form, but you're walking by and there's everything is clean. You say, well, I've got this little piece of fluff. It's so small, <clears throat> excuse me, so small. If I just throw it on the street, nobody will know. Nothing will happen. No, be truthful in that respect. Don't make a mess. Don't do anything that you shouldn't be doing anything whether it be throwing a piece of paper on the ground or or not dusting it these have i can give you so many examples from my personal life where i did something that that i knew was the right thing and the rewards immediately showed themselves and i said wow i'm so glad i did that because <laughs> look at the rewards it's a, these are long stories so i won't bore you with them but that's our job now next one is lou any questions any comments no no very good so far yeah Next one is service to the guru. A guru is a teacher. So recognize that we have had teachers from the time that we are born. We, very young age, we have our mothers telling us things, doing things. My mother was a great teacher. I learned a lot from her. Our nannies, if we have nannies who teach us. When we go to kindergarten, we have teachers. We have school. So we have many teachers. But in this quest to get to self-realization, the last guru, the one who shows you the directions to the self is known as the Sadguru, Sadguru, S-A-D-H, Guru, G-U-R-U. What the Gita is saying, and that all teachers deserve respect, but the Sadguru, the last final destination, the one who teaches, reaches you, you know, just show him your dedication and service. That doesn't mean, don't misunderstand me, that you say, okay, all other teachers, I don't care, because had you not learned to read, you wouldn't have been able to read the scriptures. If you hadn't learned to speak properly, your proper grammar from your, your earlier teachers, you wouldn't have learned to write, to make notes from your Sadhguru, that kind of thing. You have to be grateful to all. But Service to the Guru is the sixth of the 20 qualities. Acharya Upasana. Really, technically, it means Upasana, just like Upanishads, means sitting close to the teacher. Sitting close to the teacher. Why? Because then you are looking at everything from the teacher's standpoint, right? The teacher, for example, is making notes. You're looking at him at the notes from the opposite side, the notes are backwards to you. You don't understand what he's writing. Right. But if you go and sit next to him and you're looking at his notes, you can read them and they make perfect sense to you. I'm just giving you an extreme example. But essentially, you have to learn to view life and these scientific facts in the Gita and the Upanishads from the teacher's viewpoint, not from yours. Otherwise, you'll be doing what is known as caviling. Caviling, it's an English word, not Sanskrit. Caviling means arguing for the sake of arguing. You know how some people in class always raise their hand, no matter what it is, and you say, stop asking these silly <laughs> questions just because they want to be heard or raise their hand or just 
take attention away. They're caviling. If you are sitting there looking at things from the teacher standpoint, you have less desire to be caviling. That's one reason why you should have service to the guru. The other is you must serve the Sadhguru because you listen, you remember, and you follow the instructions. Why? Because to gain knowledge, one has to have humility. If you're not humble, you cannot learn. Right. You have to be have humility in order to learn. Therefore, when you are serving your Sadhguru or your Guru, your teacher in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, with respect, in India, we're taught, we were taught going back so many years ago, that your teacher is extremely important. I don't know how it is now, but the first is gratitude. The physical manifestation of that gratitude is service, right? The first sign of growth as you're growing is that you're grateful for what you got. Here's the steps. First step, you're grateful for what you got, right? Somebody is teaching you something, giving you a direction to the self-realization, your Sadhguru. You say, I'm grateful for what I got. That will immediately prevent you from caviling, from arguing for the sake of arguing. But, but, how come, but, but? That will stop that because you become humble. Second sign of growth is, in addition to the gratitude, you say, I want to give back what I got. So I got something, I want to give back. Now, a true guru wants nothing from you, but he may say to you, do this karma seva, do this karma, do this uh, duties for the ashram. Use, take this broom and just sweep. Why? Not because he wants you to sweep, that he has less students in his ashram to sweep his ashram for him, not for that reason, but because he too knows that for you to be humble, you've got to take that broom and sweep. There was this uh, monk, uh, Tiknatyan, I think that's how his name is pronounced, don't know, but my friend told me, he went to a, a, a seminar with him, and he, uh, the guru told him, he said, what should I do? And he says, lie down on the floor, put your nose on the floor, and just keep dragging yourself along the floor from this wall to that, and then turn around and come back. And he said, what kind of stupidity is this? But he later realized when he asked the master that, or asked somebody else, a senior student there, that what he was being taught is humility. Right. The master came and thought that he was being a little too arrogant. And in order to show him to learn humility, he told him to do that. And that certainly made him humble at that time anyway. Sure. So the first step is to be grateful for what you got. Second thing is to give back to for what you got from somebody, anybody. You know, I'm, I'm very, I, from early childhood, I've been somebody that if somebody gives me something, I make a mental note of it. I must, must, must make it up to that person. And the third higher sense of growth is that before you even get anything, even if you don't think you're going to get anything, you just give. That's the highest. You give without getting anything or without being. Why? Because selfish, selfishness makes your mind disturbed. If you're not selfish, you're not disturbed. Your mind is disturbed, you can't understand the knowledge. Simple, basic thing. You're sitting with a teacher trying to learn, and if you're arguing, 
if your mind is disturbed, if you're selfish, you're not going to get anything out of it because you don't get that knowledge. Another thing is that if you're ungrateful, you feel guilty within yourself, whether you know it or not consciously, at your sukshma buddhi, your subtle intellect knows that you're being ungrateful. And that will cause you a certain amount of guilt and disturbed sleep. Again, it'll affect how much you're able to take in. Now, another thing that Gautam Jain used to say is that Cicero said, gratitude is not just the greatest of all the virtues, but it is the mother of all others. Mm -hmm. So gratitude is very, very important. All the other virtues can come afterwards, but gratitude is the mother of all the other virtues. If your mind is self-centered, your mind is disturbed. If your mind is disturbed, you cannot grasp the teachings of the Upanishads, the Gita, the, uh, or, or your guru, your sadguru. So be grateful to your guru, give back, and learn to get to the point where you're giving without thinking of getting anything in return, and you will learn better. So thank you very much. Lou, thanks for your help. Oh, this was a good one. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Glad, Lou. Thanks. Uh, you can message us on our Facebook page, uh, The Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. And uh, you can hear the audio-only podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, several out other outlets. If you're looking for it, you can find it. Right? And we'll see right. you next time. Thank you.